I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Do you know a student getting ready to go to college? Or are you looking at going back to school yourself? The Woodward Hines Education Foundation and the Get to College program help more Mississippians get to and through college to get certificates and degrees that lead to meaningful employment. They offer free college planning advice, including hands-on FAFSA completion assistance through in-person or virtual appointments. Visit gettocollege.org to learn more. Hi, this is Karen Brown. Thanks for checking out the Mississippi Edition podcast. If you like what you hear, click subscribe, hit like, or leave us a comment if your app has that feature. Then find other MPB podcasts by searching MPB Think Radio on your favorite podcasting platform. Thanks. Good morning. It's 830 on Friday, January 24th. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, the governor implements changes to the Department of Corrections. Then, a recent state-of-the-state survey reveals what issues Mississippi voters value most. Plus, a first-hand account of the Senate impeachment trial. That's all coming up. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Governor Tate Reeves is taking immediate steps to restore order at the state penitentiary at Parchman. After visiting the prison, Reeves says maintenance teams are working to improve conditions. All wardens have been placed on 12-hour shifts and they're cracking down on contraband cell phones. These phones have been illegal for years, but they've been snuck in. And they're being used to coordinate gang activity throughout the Mississippi system and even throughout the country. That was a large part of what caused the recent series of killings to escalate as much as it did. The governor says the Mississippi Bureau of Investigation agent on site at the prison is screening guards for gang affiliations. He also is considering relocating some inmates to Walnut Grove, a facility that was closed in 2016 but is in better shape. Sharon Brown is with the Mississippi Prison Reform Coalition. She tells MPB's Desiree Frazier the cell phones aren't the problem. The cell phones isn't an issue right now as opposed to the conditions that they're living in. I think that uh, moving the prisoners to Walnut Grove, they can tap into the pool of employees, former employees within that area, and bring them aboard, start training them, and you move 50 inmates at a time to get them out of those deplorable living conditions, I don't think um, you can repair um, 80-year-old plumbing to the point where it would be efficient. 
What are your concerns as you uh, deal with this issue and you've been involved in rallies and will be involved in more? Well, my concern is, my immediate concern right now is the number of deaths that's currently being reported. Um, There's no way that ones are just committing suicide back to back. And there's lack of transparency for the parents and loved ones of the inmates. And also not having access to uh, the grounds at parchment. Lawyers have been down, uh, denied access, and not until now and until the pressures of national organizations have come in that you decided to, you know, act upon it. The governor is saying that he takes it seriously. The issues are ones that cannot be fixed overnight, but he's committed to making changes. He talked about uh, he wants to raise guard salaries. He said that because of the vacancies, they do have money already in MDOC's budget to fund jobs. It's getting people to um, take the jobs because of low unemployment. But um, there's also hundreds of beds that's available throughout the regional jails within the state of Mississippi. So you can begin right now, he can begin right now to move those inmates to other areas. They don't have to live like they're living until a complete total solution to the problem is available. And he said that Walnut Grove is in a state where they could put people there tomorrow, some people. Absolutely, yes. How do you feel about that? I I think that would be a good move because the sooner you remove the inmates from environmental harm, the, the better off things will become because Unit 29 and 30 completely is beyond repair. Now, we're hearing that there is going to be screening of the guards. Some of the guards may be actively engaged in some of the violence in terms of uh, their gang affiliation. Have you been hearing that that is a possibility, that some of the guards are gang affiliated? Well, it's always a possibility of corruption. I have heard that. I cannot validate that uh, the reason why some guards choose to engage in corrupt behavior with certain organizations and, um, you know, I just can't validate that part, but I'm sure there's some truth to it. And investigating criminal activity, there is a, a Mississippi Bureau of Investigation agent now housed at Parchment who will be looking into a lot of uh, the things that have been raised in terms of screening guards and seeing uh, what is going on inside. Well, uh, that's great, but I I really feel like we need an oversight out-of-state committee to come in. And what would they do? They would have an objective view. They wouldn't have any associations tied to anyone in Mississippi to create biases. And therefore, I I just feel like that it would alleviate the problem of connections, so to speak. What are you hearing from uh, families and people that you're talking to on a regular basis? Uh, It's several, if not dozens, of families who have not heard from their loved ones. They're calling They can't get any answers. Uh, There's no one there to at least go and do a wellness check to uh, alleviate some of the anxiety and stress that these family members um, 
is currently going through. And what are your steps? What are your thoughts moving forward? We just need to begin to work to implement a better um, criminal justice system. We are housing, we're in the business of housing inmates, but we're not in the business of really running the prison efficiently. I just think that, um, you know, bring some national people in and reform the whole entire system. Sharon Brown is with the Mississippi Prison Reform Coalition. A rally sponsored by Jay-Z's Team Rock and Color of Change is scheduled today on the Capitol grounds. For more on Mississippi's prison crisis, tune in to At Issue tonight at 7.30, only on MPB TV and mpbonline.org. Coming up, a recent State of the State survey reveals what issues Mississippi voters value most. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. The 2020 legislative session has begun, and Governor Tate Reeves will deliver his inaugural State of the State address to a special joint session of the Mississippi Legislature. MPB News will provide live, exclusive, gavel-to-gavel coverage of the governor's speech, as well as the official Democratic response. Don't miss the 2020 State of the State Address, live Monday, January 27th at 5 p.m. on MPB Television, MPB Think Radio, and mpbonline.org. No matter if you use an app to start your car or still have a flip phone, Everyday Tech can decipher today's technology for tomorrow's solutions. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or the MPB public media app. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. Making health care more accessible and affordable in Mississippi has overtaken infrastructure repair and public school funding as the most important priority for Magnolia State voters. That's according to the most recent Millsaps College Chisholm Strategies poll. Dr. Nathan Schrader is the chair of the Department of Government and Politics at Millsaps College. He explains the poll results with our Michael Guidry. Let me start by talking about what we something that we saw in this survey it was it was based on a culmination of the results of three separate questions uh, led us to focus in our the report that we released along with the data on healthcare it is specifically the way this was addressed in the question was improving access and affordability of healthcare uh, so that actually when I went back and looked ten quarters ago. Only 14% of voters had identified that as their top priority. It was way down, third or fourth on the final list. Now almost a quarter have identified that as their top priority for Mississippi lawmakers. But we had, we had two separate questions pertaining to health care that are worth mentioning here. So we wanted to, to establish whether or not Mississippians, uh, Mississippi voters, uh, are whether they, their ability to pay for their out-of-pocket expenses for their health insurance, their health care coverage is something that that is that they that they are worried about for this year, um, and and seventy percent told us that they this is something that is that is a worry for them and for their family paying for out-of-pocket health care and insurance expenses for themselves and members of their family. That included – so this is one of those areas where we talk about Mississippi politics often is divisive and we're, we're polarized in some ways. But here's one where we had – you know, uh, we had members of all parties. This is an area where they were all kind of together as they've got this overarching worry or concern about how they're going to pay for their health insurance coverage for themselves and their family. But there's another piece to this. 
a year ago we asked uh, about Medicaid expansion. Twelve months ago, we found that 60 percent of Mississippians support expanding Medicaid and only 29 percent are opposed. I'll repeat that because it does not sound like the rhetoric we often hear from the Capitol. 60% in favor of expanding Medicaid, 29% against it. That is a very different priority from what we hear from some of the legislative leaders and from the newly elected governor. What I want to point out here is we asked the exact same question, this very same specific wording, and we found it remained at 60-29. There was no erosion of that. What is the data indicating both in this survey and then the accumulation of multiple surveys. What is it indicating regarding Mississippians' attitudes toward education, education funding, teacher pay raise, mm-hmm. those kinds of things? Yeah, it, we have consistently found in, in all of our surveys, education funding has either been, for the most part, number one or number two. So it's remained pretty steady over time. Voters are, they've now told us over the last couple of quarters, we could say a couple of different positions they take on education. They see a declining quality in some of the schools, but then they also see that the schools are underfunded, that they supported the efforts last year that that failed in the legislature to increase teacher pay. And now we see that this other way of asking a, a question in a diff, just in a different way, um, they see that raising teacher pay, at least to the Southeast average, is a way to perhaps combat the teacher shortage problem that many of our families and their school districts experience. All right, so I want to shift to the national stage. It's an election year. One Senate seat's up for grabs, and it's a general election as well for the for the office of the president. Right. So, so we we sort of broke with tradition of the past ten quarters this time to to look at two two federal issues. The first was we wanted to establish whether or not Mississippi voters are actually paying attention. Um, so, eighty two percent of Mississippi voters say that they are following the impeachment and the, now the, the, the trial of the president and the Senate closely, and only 17 percent, it was not really on the radar. We did a second question, which was about now that the president has been impeached by the House, uh, would you favor his conviction and removal by the Senate? And here's where we see something opposite of the national polling trends. I, I was looking at the national polling average on this question about a week ago. It was for about 46% favoring conviction and removal, 48% opposed. Very, very split. And, and I heard that there's another national poll today showing the almost identical numbers. Well, Mississippians are far uh, less supportive of this. And one might say, well, sure, naturally, this is a Republican-leaning state and the president won this state easily. But whether you support Conviction isn't necessarily the same as saying, asking, did you vote for him or will you vote for him? Those are, that's not quite the same question. So we wanted to be as clear as we can on this. And it was 42% of Mississippians back conviction and removal, 53% are opposed. So uh, President Trump uh, in Mississippi, this was not an approved, disapproved question on him. This was more of a referendum on do you support what the, the Senate taking further action to remove him from office? So President Trump has more uh, a greater you know, wealth of support here in terms of keeping him in office. And what about the Senate race? Do you have any, did y'all do any polling on the Senate race and have any general we information did. there? Uh, Senator Cindy Hyde-Smith, who was just elected uh, in November 18 to finish 
out Senator Cochran's term uh, is seeking reelection. She has no primary opposition. She will be the Republican Party nominee again. Um, we wanted we we asked a, a baseline approve job approval question, and and so her approval rating is at forty four percent. Her disapproval rating was at thirty six. On the surface of it, that's a plus eight, and that's not necessarily a bad place to be, but. It's for for a, an incumbent senator running for reelection in a Republican state. That number needs to be higher for her. Um, as a as a follow up question, uh, we had asked about whether or not Mike Espy uh, or Cindy Hyde Smith would be your preferred choice for the Senate this year, and we found head to head Cindy Hyde Smith leads Mike Espy forty five percent to thirty six percent. So she's right now had a nine point lead. But here, again, the, the number to look at or to, to watch out for, 19% of voters are unsure. So so that's where I think we might see the battle lines drawn is is the Republican candidate trying very – he's going to have to try hard now to to, to um, keep the, the Republican leaners happy and in her column. The Espy campaign may be figuring out right now how – what is the best message for Mike Espy – to try to pull in a share of those independents and grab some of those Republican leaners who maybe they voted for Cindy Hyde-Smith the last time, but they're not sure they're going to do it again. Nathan Trader is the chair of government and politics at Millsaps College. Coming up, a firsthand account of the Senate impeachment trial. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On the next Fit to Eat, I'll be preparing a coffee-crusted pork loin with blackberry broccoli sauce, sweet potato spears, and seared tomato. Our guest is Tim Bradford, who's going to tell us about how the Society of St. Andrew is working to end hunger. We're also going to check out a local coffee roaster in Jackson, and Rebecca Turner will share a healthy coffee creamer recipe. It's going to be a great show, so tune in. Join Chef Rob Stinson on Fit to Eat every Saturday at 1, only on MPB TV. Hey, this is Larry Morrissey with the Mississippi Arts Commission. I'm one of the hosts of the Mississippi Arts Hour, the arts interview show on Think Radio. Each week, myself or one of my fellow hosts bring you in-depth interviews with different creative Mississippians. We talk with visual artists, musicians, writers, as well as people who help bring the arts to their communities. We hear about how each artist learned their craft and get some insight into their creative process. You can hear the Arts Hour every Sunday at 5 p.m. on Think Radio, or listen anytime by subscribing to the show through your favorite podcasting app. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. The impeachment trial enters its third day of arguments as the House managers present their case against President Donald Trump. Due to Senate rules, many viewers' access to this historic moment is limited to a single fixed camera. But reporters on site have a different experience. Adam Ganeshow is a political reporter with Mississippi Today. He tells MPB's Michael Guidry the atmosphere of the Senate chamber has been calm and reverent. The moments that we have, we've been in that gallery up, up top, basically looking down over the, the chamber, the Senate floor, um, it has been... Uh, incredibly sort of, I'd say, reverent, uh, very calm. You know, the senators on both sides seem to be attentive, uh, certainly more so than normal. Of course, the, the rules for this impeachment trial are different, so senators uh, are required by rule to sit at their desks and listen. They can't have electronics, including their phones. Um, you know, even things as, as minor as they can't drink anything other than water or milk on the floor. There's 
There's a desk that has some candy in it. That's the only food allowed on the floor at any given time. Uh, the purpose of all this, like I said, is, is to sort of ensure that the senators are listening to the arguments being made by both sides. Um, like I said, in the moments that, that I've been in the chamber, uh, it, it has been, it's just been reverent. And uh, the, the senators do seem to be attentive. They seem to be listening. So, of course, being at Mississippi Today, where they're covering our two U.S. senators, uh, Roger Wicker and Cindy Hyde-Smith, the two of them, uh, I've, I've seen them at their desk. There's been some reports of senators at times getting up and leaving the chamber for, uh, you know, even short periods of time. Uh, I haven't seen that in the times that I've been there. Uh, Senator Wicker and Senator Hyde-Smith have both been there. Uh, Senator Wicker has done stuff, you know, like sit there and, uh, you know, very seemingly attentively taking notes. He's, he's writing with a number two pencil on a legal pad um, as the Democrats plead, plead their case. And, uh, of course, the, the attorneys for President Trump plead theirs. During those breaks outside uh, of the chamber, are you able to, to reach out? Are you able to have conversations with uh, Senator Hyde-Smith and Senator Wicker? So another thing that's really interesting about this trip and sort of this, this trial uh, is, is these this sort of additional rules that have been put in place. Uh, some of those rules have extended to sort of press access. So uh, the Senate Republican majority is, is in charge of basically laying out the ground rules for for the duration of the trial, and one of those rules is that the press doesn't have that intimate access that they normally do. Um, so my colleague Kaylee Skinner and I, who have been here all week, we've been able to sort of stake, stake out the, the subway tunnel there, sort of where the senators normally would get off the subway to enter the Capitol building and hit the elevator to go up to the second floor where the chamber is. Um, we have spoken in that in that regard. We've spoken to Senator Wicker twice. Um both times we caught him, he didn't stop and talk. Um, today, actually, is the first time we've, we've seen Senator Hyde-Smith up close like that. She got off the subway, and my colleague Kaylee Skinner asked her a quick question. Basically, um, you know, has there, is there anything that you've heard from the House that's changed your thinking on this? And she looked at my colleague and loudly said, no comment, thank you. So, uh, you know, the short answer to your question is no, really. I mean, we have seen them just a couple times, but very briefly. Neither one of them have wanted to talk much about, you know, sort of what they're what they're seeing and hearing this week yet. We're hoping to get sort of some more extended interviews with them this week, but that's still sort of to be determined. Are you witnessing, is there a buzz, is there any indication that we might hear more witnesses or see more evidence as this period of opening statements and opening arguments ends and we move into the question and answer and further consideration period? Yeah, there's certainly some buzz about that. Uh, I, admittedly, I'm not the one reporting that. This is coming from national reporters who do this every day, and they're in the building every day. Um, you know, they've, they've reported that talks are ongoing sort of behind closed doors between Democratic and Republican leadership about witnesses, whether to call witnesses and who those witnesses might be if they decide to call witnesses. Um, you know, <laughs> for me, as a Mississippi reporter, sort of being up here and covering the Mississippi angle, I've been sort of thinking a lot about the, I guess you could call it irony if, if you wanted to look at it that way, but sort of the, the reality that, uh, you know, I think back to late 2018, November of 2018, and that runoff between Cindy Hyde-Smith and Mike Espy, uh, the day before that, that runoff in late November, uh, President Trump came down to Mississippi and he had a rally at, in both Tupelo, then he flew down from Tupelo to Biloxi. So two rallies on that day before that night before the election. And at both of those rallies, he talked about the importance of, hey, you know, if tomorrow Mississippi elects 
Cindy Hyde-Smith over Mike Espy, we're going to have 53 senators. The, the Republican Senate majority will be 53-47. Of course, ultimately, uh, Cindy Hyde-Smith did win that runoff, and those were the numbers, 53-47. And, you know, so the, the witness question here is really fascinating because it seems like there's anywhere from four to six Republicans right now in the Senate who – uh, seem to be really struggling or grappling with this question of should we call more wit- additional witnesses in this thing and should we hear these perspectives from people who are directly involved or allegedly involved in um, in sort of what the, the, what the president's on trial for here in the Senate. It's fascinating because it, it looks like it actually could come down to three or four Republican votes. And, you know, had SB1 that night, Republicans might be in even graver danger of uh, sort of not being able to avoid uh, you know, calling additional witnesses. So, yeah, certainly there's buzz about it, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna see how this plays out. I think um, hopefully by the weekend we'll know more about uh, whether or not that's actually gonna happen. But uh, yeah, certainly big buzz about that right now. That's sort of the prevailing question as uh, we continue to hear the opening statements. Adam Ganeshow is a political reporter with Mississippi Today. Thanks for listening to the Mississippi Edition podcast from MPB News and MPB Think Radio. Don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already. And if your app lets you, leave a comment or review. We really do appreciate it. Remember, you can always get in touch with MPB News on Facebook and Twitter. And fresh episodes of the podcast are posted every weekday morning. I'm Karen Brown. Thanks for listening. This is Mississippi Edition from MPB Think Radio.